Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Julie Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. We're speaking about the original design. Original design. And to understand anything, we first must go back to the origin and the design of that thing. To understand anything. Any scientist will tell you that. To understand anything, we have to go back to the origin and the design. The origin of mankind began in a garden. The design was the image of God. Man and woman created by God in the image of God. They walked with God in the cool of day in the garden. There was an intimate, close, personal relationship with God where they walked with Him, spoke with Him, He was with them. They lived in perfect peace, in perfect surroundings, in innocence and in purity. As they beheld God, it was as if they looked into a mirror to see the image of themselves and they were one with their creator. In Genesis 2, 25, it says, Adam and Eve, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. You know that word naked there just doesn't just mean physically naked. That word there actually translates into physically, emotionally, and spiritually naked before each other and before God. They were naked before God and they were unashamed. They were emotionally, physically, and spiritually naked before God, and they were unashamed. Amen. We know they were tempted by the serpent, ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And now with the knowledge of evil, there became a tainting of the original design And the close relationship with God, that oneness was broken. Sin entered the world and separation from God was the result. Now, the the entire Old Testament is a story of God preparing a people to come back into oneness with Him so He could restore relationship and restore the image of man that he had created in his likeness. Amen? Amen. Did we get that? The whole Old Testament. Then is a story of God seeking out man, preparing him for a day that he had in his heart and his mind where he would put forth a plan to restore the original design 
to restore the original plan and to restore the original likeness of the image of God in his people. Amen. His ultimate plan was this, that God himself would come to earth in the form of his son. He would be born as we are born. He would live as we live. But one difference there would be, he would not bow his knee to sin. There would be no tainting of him, of the knowledge of evil. There would be no tainting of his image, but he would come and present his image in its purest form. Amen. He would model for us what life would be like if we could come into our original design and image and walk in close relationship with our Father as we had done in the garden. He wanted to model for us what it was like to walk every day and not make a move unless I hear my Father speak, unless I move according to the perfect plan and design of my Father, for I was created for this very purpose. Amen? And He chose God over every desire, over every temptation, over everything that came at Him. He continued to choose God. He took the free will that we were given and demonstrated to us what it would be like if we, if we laid our will down and gave everything to our relationship with our Father. If we were to willingly and lovingly obey Him, and as Jesus demonstrated, even unto death. John 3.16, God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever should believe in Him should have eternal life. When Jesus hung on the cross, he said these words, It is finished. The price has been paid. The debt has been cancelled. The pure and perfect Son of God has laid down his life as a perfect sacrifice for all mankind so that they would be restored to the original design, the original purpose of their lives. Amen? It is finished. We know that Jesus went to hell for three days before He was resurrected and confronted the Prince of Darkness in that very place where He dwelled and put out His hand and said, You have something that belongs to me. Because when Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden sinned, they gave their authority, their dominion, their rule, their, their, their mandate that God had given them to go forth, to multiply, to subdue, to take dominion, to fill the earth with the glory of God. And those keys had been given to them, the keys of the kingdom. They had been taken and Jesus for three days 
went to hell and confronted the prince of darkness and said, the price has been paid. I want the keys back. Who knows that those keys were given to us by Jesus so that everything would be restored and made whole again. He says, behold, I make all things new, Jesus said. Behold, I make all things new. You must be born again. Nicodemus said, how can I enter into my mother's womb and be born a second time? And Jesus was saying to them, where Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, where there was a separation, where there was a brokenness, where there was a defiling of the original design. I have come to restore completely the original design for mankind. Through me, through believing in me, you can be born again. You can have a second chance. You can start again. I can wash you clean. I can make you new and I can make you like the original design again. I will restore all things back to the original design and I will teach you how to live in the garden again with me. I will teach you how to walk and how to talk and how to be with me and how to listen to my voice. I will be your father and you will be my children. Amen. And then I will teach you from there how to increase, how to multiply, how to subdue, how to take dominion and how to extend the boundaries of the garden that I've given you until you affect the whole earth. I love this scripture in 2 Corinthians 3.18. In this, Jesus is saying this. The Word of God is saying this, that where Adam and Eve stood in total transparency, in total nakedness before God, and looked into His face, and in looking to the face of God, saw their own likeness could because they were created in the image of God. He was the only mirror that they had. I love this, where this in 2 Corinthians 3.18 is saying this to us now. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. There is so much in that scripture. There is so much. That as you stand now through the blood of Jesus with an unveiled face, as you behold Him, as you become transparent and naked before Him again, then He begins the work of removing, transforming, and changing anything that stops us from being completely physically, emotionally, and spiritually naked before our God. As we behold Him, we are being changed from glory to glory to glory with ever 
increasing glory into what? His image. As we, you got to get this. As we behold Him, He is changing us from glory to glory with ever increasing glory into His image. Wow. Which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Oh no. Hang on, I touched something. That's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Have you ever wondered what it would be like if we truly believed that we can now be naked before God, completely transparent before Him? What it's like, what is it like to stand before God? And I know in in every part of my being that I have nothing to hide. That I don't have to hide from God anymore. That I know in every part of my being that there is no, no shame. That I know in every part of my being there is no guilt. I know in every part of my being there is no sin. I know in every part of my being there is no darkness, not even a shadow. That's his intention for us. That is his intention for us. Amen. As we behold him, we are changed. A garden dwelling people. A garden dwelling people. A people within a garden in the midst of surrounding chaos. You know, when, 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 when God put Adam and Eve in the garden, Satan had already fallen from heaven to earth. And what God did is he put Adam and Eve in the garden, protected, in a protected environment, in his presence, in his glory. And then he mandated them to be fruitful, to multiply, to increase, to subdue and to take dominion. In other words, to slowly increase their influence from the garden out until the whole of the earth was filled with the glory of God. Their mandate was not to be tempted by Satan. Their mandate was to destroy him and his works and fill the earth with the glory of God. That original mandate has been restored. And so God begins with us. He begins with the garden of your heart. He begins with the garden of you. And he begins to say, as you behold me, you're born again. But I know that there are so many areas in your life where you're still hiding from me. There are so many areas that have been that you've experienced in your life that have caused separation in areas of your heart and your being where I still can't penetrate. So therefore, as you behold me, I will transform you from glory to glory. As you behold, as you behold me, not as you go to church and do some religious duties, but as you behold me, as you come into that deep relationship with me again, as you look into my face, into behold the one who loves you, 
behold the one who has died for you so that he may restore you. I will change you from glory to glory with ever increasing glory into my likeness. I will restore the garden inside of you. I will restore the place where we walked and intimately talk. I'll restore that place of beauty within you. I'll restore that place where there's no shame, where there's no pain, where there's no sin. I'll restore you every every ounce of you. You know, David said these words, may every fiber, may every fiber of my being unite in holy reverence to your name. What an incredible statement to make. May every fiber of my being unite in holy reverence to your name. That's been my life quest. That's been my life scripture. That I would continuously be beholding my Saviour, my Father, my glorious King, looking into the eyes of the one who loves me so, as he changes me from glory to glory in my innermost being until every fiber of my being unites in holy reverence to his name, until every part of my being has been restored. Amen. It's good stuff. So the original, I just want to repeat that, the original mandate has been restored to be fruitful, to fill the earth, to subdue it, to take dominion over surrounding darkness. See, we shouldn't be sitting there afraid inside our houses about the darkness encroaching on us. The darkness should be afraid about the light encroaching on it. As we become more glorified in our innermost being, as we take dominion again over the garden of our own hearts, then we become an unstoppable light as we move out. And the light that penetrates of the glory of God, as we become like Him, and the glory becomes, we become like Him in His glory, amen? And it goes out, then it begins to fill the earth and the darkness must recede. See, we are the greatest force on this earth through the blood of Jesus Christ. Darkness is not powerful. You turn a light on, darkness is gone, amen. You are the light of the world, a city on a hill, amen. We're meant to go out and walk in the purest of light. Shine as lights in a depraved world, it says in Daniel, that you may shine as stars in a depraved world, Daniel says. We are more than conquerors through Christ. Romans 8, 31 to 39 says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or the sword? 
As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Listen, because I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I want to say this to you. An army of light is unstoppable. An army of light is unstoppable. You don't need to confront the darkness. You need to turn the light on. Can you imagine a whole army of people who knew, who know who they are in their innermost being, who can stand before God in ultimate transparency, who can, who can you know, download the glory of God and let the glory of God come forth from them, to walk in honesty and purity and obedience to God in the, in the most deepest parts of their hearts. A people that would say, there is no sin in me, there is no shame in me, there is nothing in me. This light, this glorious light, an army of people, God is releasing upon the earth, amen? And we will have dominion as long as we take the dominion of the ground of our own garden, of our own hearts, and rise up and walk with God. Do you remember, I'm just looking at parents in this room. You know, I rem- you, know you would remember too, the innocence of that little baby. When, when you see that little baby, is that right, Luke? You know, you, they come out, they're just so innocent. They're just so pure. They're just so beautiful. And we can protect them and we can teach them and we can do everything that we can in their lives. But ultimately, they are born into a sinful world with a sinful nature. And it doesn't take us very long to realize that this beautiful, innocent little child has a war inside itself. I mean, by the age of two, no, is the first word they learn. Isn't that right? Then the tannies start, chucking the tantrums. And, you know, where is my innocent child that I took home from hospital? That's why every mother wants to go back to the newborn. I just want a newborn. I just want a newborn. They were just easy. They just looked at me. They just went, ah. And, you know, now I've got a war over my child's life every day. Now I've got, to, I've, got to, I've got to address this sinful nature that keeps hitting me in the face. And I've got to bring this sinful nature under the glory of God within my own child. Now I can see that without Christ, my child is destined to, <laughs> to blow up or something or blow me up or whatever it is. Amen. And that's why we, we train our children to know Jesus. We, that's why Mary's job and her team is so important. You know, so that, that these children can make decisions for themselves. That I'm not saying yes to my sinful nature. That I will, as even as a child, I will present my heart to God because I know I have a sinful nature that wants to compete with my new nature in Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, I've spent my whole life, I think, wrestling for the nature of God in my own children. And now I'm wrestling for the nature of God in my grandchildren because it is a wrestle. Amen. And that's what it's like for us too. 
See, you, you just think, well, I'm not so bad. I'm not such a bad person. But how many of you know that stuff gets on us? Shame comes. Sin happens. We, we sin. We have shame. We have guilt. We have condemnation. We have insecurities. You know, things that are said, things that are done, things that we do, they all have consequences on this part of our being that we want to present to God. And then we go to present that to God and shame screams out from inside. And guilt, shame and, and, and condemnation screams out from inside and insecurity screams out from inside. And the Lord in His graciousness says, as you behold me, I'm going to take each one of those voices. I'm going to take each one of those areas and I'm going to make it glory. From glory to glory, with ever increasing glory, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to restore the original design inside of you. But if we never behold him, if we never become transparent in his presence, if we never have the guts to say, here I am, God, like David, look into my heart, God, and see if there be anything inside of me and change me into your image. I'm willing to be vulnerable. I'm willing to be embarrassed. I'm willing to be radical. I'm willing, God. I'm willing, I'm willing, I'm willing to look at that pain. I'm willing to look at that hurt. I'm willing to look at that thing in my past. I'm willing, I'm willing, because I know if you take me there, then you're going to turn that into a glory. And then I'm going to go from glory to glory with ever-increasing glory. And the garden of my heart is going to be completely restored to the original design. Amen. Then the light of God and the glory of God might come on me. And then I might begin to walk out and take dominion, subdue, multiply, multiply, take dominion, start to release the light of God to the earth because the light is increasing inside of me as I behold him. Amen. <clears throat> I love this, what Jesus said in John 14:30. This is in the NASB. He said, I will not speak much more with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. He has nothing in me. He was literally saying, there is nothing of Satan in me. The accuser has nothing on me. There's nothing. We're born again. Jesus said, Behold, I make all things new. We should be able to stand before Jesus and say, He has nothing on me. Not because of my good works or how well I've managed and worked out this Christian life, but because of the blood of Jesus Christ that has paid for everything, past, present, and future. He said, it is finished. Amen. So I'm not talking about a works program here. I'm not talking about dealing with stuff so you're good enough. From, you're, already, you're already saved, born again, filled with His Spirit. Amen. But He wants to take dominion over every part of your being as we surrender to Him. He doesn't want to watch you suffer. 
Do you think that Jesus died so he could sit by in heaven, pray for you and watch you suffer? Do you think that Jesus died so he could see you standing before the, before the throne of grace with shame, with your head down? Did he die for that? Did he die so that you could be tormented in your dreams by things that had been done to you in your life? Did he die? Did he die to set you free, to set the captives free? Did he die to set the captives free? Or is he happy with you in prison? Or did he come to release the prisoners? The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord was upon him to preach the good news, to release the captives to deliver you, to set you free, to redeem you, to restore you to your original design and intent completely. The other night, you know, I was awake in the middle of the night and, you know, this week the Lord has gone inside me again I said to someone this morning, I don't know how I'm going to preach when I stand up this morning because I don't know who I am today because I'm different to who I was last Sunday when I preached. Because I, Jesus came and found another part of me that wasn't yet restored to its original design. And I, I willingly, I willingly came to him with that even though it was probably very painful very raw it was just like no God I want all of you so bad that I'm willing I'm willing God I'm willing to be transparent before you I'm willing to be naked before you I'm willing for you to go to this place in the deepest parts of my being and bring your glory as I behold you and so I had some prayer this week and God went to that place and it was it was a most incredible experience. I highly recommend if you're stuck in an area of your life that you would submit yourself for prayer ministry. Phil and Fleur Cairns right here. They're in charge of our prayer in our church. They honestly have the most beautiful style of prayer ministry, them and their team, where they actually use Sears people who can see in the spirit and they will just sit you in a chair and the seers will look and see what part of you is still in prison which part which parts of you are still in pain which parts of you are, are still not glorified in God amen and we're talking about our soul I want to just reiterate that when you're born again your spirit is absolutely perfect but who knows that we go on a journey of transformation amen journey of transformation as he makes all things new in every tiny aspect of our lives amen and the seers will see that in the spirit realm what God is putting his finger on they will pray for you they not you know I'm not just talking about deliverance and freedom I'm talking about healing and inner healing and restoration it's the most beautiful experience so I submitted myself to that this week and I had an incredible experience and then 
um, it was raw. I didn't quite, you know when you're still raw, you don't quite know how am I going to process this? I don't quite know. But um, the Lord woke me up in the middle of the night and I was just laying there. I was just thanking him for his beauty, his wonder and his so glorious, you're so beautiful, you're so, I mean, not only did you come and rescue me and save me, but you, 36 years, you've been changing me into your image with such a beautiful, gentle, loving, compassionate hand that I feel so safe with you, Jesus, so, so grateful. And I was just laying in the bed and I saw this like white light figure, a figure of light. And the figure of light just moved towards me and then just went into me completely. And I knew it was the Holy Spirit. And I've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. I mean, I have the Holy Spirit. But this was like another realm of the Holy Spirit. This was like the kingdom of light coming into my being and I just laid in and shook in my bed for, for hours and cried in the very presence of God as I imbibed of this encounter that is inexplicable and does not have words to describe what it felt like, what it was like. But it was the most glorious moment and I felt like you know, in that part of my heart that the Lord was putting his finger on, that there would become a oneness with me and him that I'd never had before. You know, there was another fibre of my being that could just be free to love God and be free to stand before his throne and worship him and believe for his kingdom to come. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 15 says, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. I think the days of mediocre Christianity are over. God is coming and calling his people. As this scripture said, Christ's love compels us that we should no longer live for ourselves, but to live for him who died for us and raised again. Within each of us, there's a seed of the kingdom. And we can choose between kingdom living and mediocre living. That's our choice. I choose kingdom. I want to live in the kingdom. I want all that Jesus has paid the price for to be outworked in my life. Otherwise, he died for nothing. If he died just so that I could have a ticket to heaven and get on with my mediocre life, then it's for nothing. There will always be a desire. 
if we choose mediocre living, there will always be a burning desire to fill that space with something else. Whether it's materialism, whether it's alcohol, whether it's friends, whether it's good living, whether it's furniture, whatever it is, there'll be that hole inside of us, even though we're born again, even though we're spirit-filled, there will be a hole that says you were not originally designed for mediocre living. You were not designed to live for yourself. You were designed to live for Him who gave His life for you, who gave everything for you so that He could restore you to the original design and so that the original plan of God, the Kingdom of God on earth, taking dominion, taking ground and destroying darkness and filling the earth with the light and the goodness and the glory of God would come to pass in your life. Amen. I believe right now there is an acceleration in the spirit realm for breakthrough. I believe that things that we have warred over for years and have not got the victory in, God is accelerating what used to take years, He is going to do in moments. Amen. I believe this morning, deliverance, healing, financial breakthrough, soul restoration, relationship restoration, the spirit of reconciliation. I see loved ones being saved. You know what's happening right now? As we read, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters and the Spirit of God was just waiting for one thing. He was waiting for God to speak. Amen. And I believe the Spirit of God has been hovering over areas of your life and He has been waiting for one thing, for God to say, let there be light. And I believe there's an acceleration of that light coming into the hearts of people. Amen? Amen? My only advice to you is this. Realise that He's here. You know, when Jacob had an encounter with God, he said these words, Surely the Spirit of the Lord was in this place and I knew it not. Surely the Spirit of the Lord is in this place and I ask God that you would remove the veil so that we would know you are here and that we would be a people who would be willing to be transparent, to be naked before you physically, spiritually and emotionally, that we would present ourselves to you as we behold you. You will transform us from glory to glory with ever increasing glory into the very image of God. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. 
For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3telgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.